Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Thank you so much, Gary. It is 8.35 on this Wednesday, December 6, 2023. I'm Karen Michael in for John Reed, and you're listening to News Radio WRVA. So we can't use the blue boxes, the postal boxes, but we should use those to mail in our ballots and we should trust that. It's just getting very confusing. Very, very confusing times. So yeah, the mail-in ballot thing, I'm just not a fan. Tonight is the presidential debate. We've talked about it a couple times on the show and there's only going to be one party debating because allegedly the Democrats have their person locked in. Joe Biden, assuming that he continues to run, although the other day, I guess yesterday, he made a statement that he's only running because Donald Trump is in the race. That's that's apparently the only reason he's running for president. So we're only going to have one side having debates, and we have tonight our fourth debate from the Republican candidates. And, I mean, I kind of have debate fatigue. The thought of listening to those candidates again I really haven't paid that much attention to the first three anyway, but the thought of a fourth one seems like a lot. And, of course, they're missing the frontrunner, Donald Trump. So joining us this morning is Nathan Worster, who is the Epoch Times national political politics reporter, to talk about this debate. Do we have debate fatigue? What to expect? Good morning, Nathan. Good morning, Karen. Yeah, I mean, uh, long story short, yes, I would agree. And uh, the political experts I spoke with uh, for an upcoming article on the debate they more or less said the same thing. Yeah, this debate, it could be uh, what, what everybody is calling a breakthrough moment for Haley or DeSantis. At least that's what they want it to be. But really, at this stage, it just it, it does seem unlikely. And this debate has even been sidelined by, among others, President Trump. He isn't even bothering to put up any counter-programming. Matter of fact, he's not even sending a surrogate to talk to the press in the spin room. So that tells you a lot. So the candidates that will be there today, tonight, are, we're, now, we're now down to four. How did Chris Christie get into this panel? Because he was out, I thought, based on whatever their criteria was, and then somehow he slipped in. Yeah, you know, their criteria, uh, you essentially have to meet uh, 6% in uh, either multiple national polls or a, a combination of multiple state polls. It's a little bit convoluted. But what appears to have happened is very conveniently uh, a Trafalgar poll showing him at 6% nationally came out the other day just ahead of the 48-hour deadline for polls of this sort. Yeah, I mean, very, very convenient. The last national poll that I was able to uh, see looking at real clear politics that had him above 
6% is from late August, which might might be an edge case. At any rate, yes, it, it's kind of uh, odd that he was able to make it. There's also been you know, some talk about um, other aspects of this that he may not have qualified for, but uh, it, it should not be uh, denied that it seems as though whoever, uh, when I say whoever, the RNC seems to be very interested in having him around as this anti-Trump voice in a very definitive way that DeSantis, Haley, Ramaswamy are not. On the other hand, uh, as one uh, political scientist pointed out to me, doesn't seem like hey, Chris Christie has actually embraced it as much as you might expect. He's not actually, uh, you know, twisted the knife the way that uh, maybe some people anticipated. So this, assuming this is his final debate, which it probably will be, it would be, uh, you know, it behooves him to, to really go in aggressively against Trump. So one of the things that I find interesting is there's a lot of talk about the national poll, that Donald Trump would win against Joe Biden in a national poll. What they don't say, which I don't understand, is Nikki Haley also wins, as I understand it, in a national poll against Trump. And none of that matters anyway, because all that matters are the key swing states, those few eight swing states and how they would uh, how they would win in those states. So what what are you seeing as far as the potential, if there was a head-to-head with Nikki Haley or even Ron DeSantis with Joe Biden? I mean, what are, what are you seeing in the polls, not necessarily the national polls, but in these key swing states? You know, I haven't delved into those head-to-head matchups in detail. I will say I think Megyn Kelly is the choice of many Democrats or um, some independents. You mean Nikki Haley? Necessarily- you said Megyn uh, Kelly. Sorry, not Megyn Kelly. <laughs> Nikki Haley. Uh, I'll get into that in a moment, actually. But Nikki Haley um, might draw those people, including in some of these primaries, if they're open primaries, meaning if people don't have to register as Republicans before uh, casting ballots in them. Uh, so, for example, in, in New Hampshire, in that primary, at least, she is polling very well. On the other hand, how is that going to translate into votes against Biden? I, I find that hard to say. Um, I mentioned Megyn Kelly, actually, because Megyn Kelly is one of the moderators, along with uh, a News Nation host, Elizabeth Vargas, and another woman, Eliana Johnson of the Washington Free Beacon, which, um, if you're not familiar with the publication, it has a very neoconservative tone, very um, hawkish and interventionist, and specifically pretty anti-Vivek Ramaswamy, if you saw their coverage during the previous debate. So you look at that, and it... it, um, it can seem as though the RNC has chosen a slate that, um, while could all accurately be called some flavor of conservative, they are probably not the sort of people that a lot of the Republican base would have in mind. I think it was Ramaswamy who said he would rather have Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk as the moderators. And that can sound a little facetious, but honestly, if you look at, at where the GOP electorate is, the people who are actually deciding this at this stage, as opposed to, you know, the GOP establishment, um, it, it, this this debate on a subscription TV network uh, involving a handful of candidates and not Trump seems like it's catering more to the establishment GOP than to what people I've spoken with um, on the ground are more likely to to favor. Talking to Nathan Worster from the Epoch Times National, he's an Epoch Times National Politics reporter, and I'm Karen Michael. 
in for John Reed. And we keep talking about the base, the base, the base. And I understand that the base is very much in favor of Donald Trump. That that seems to be very clear. But if you look at what happened, at least in Virginia, which is where we are, in 2020, Trump got 44% of the vote, Biden 51, 54.1%. I mean, that's a 10% margin in Virginia. So what what I think is confusing is, and and then, of course, in 2021, Governor Youngkin won. So it's the candidate, not necessarily the party. Donald Trump was not favored in Virginia in 2020. Full stop. No question. 44% is not people showing up to vote for him. So what would you tell the voters as to, especially in like a primary, as to why there would be any difference in 2024 for Donald Trump? I mean, how is he going to suddenly change the mindset and win in 2024 when he lost in 2020? Yeah, that's an interesting question, whether it's the candidate as opposed to the party. Um, You know, you look at the long range trends in uh, Virginia and not just in terms of the, uh, you know, most recent presidential election, I'm sure you're aware, in 2020 and 2021, um, the Democrats had a trifecta in the Senate, the state Senate, the state House governorship. Republicans with Youngkin and and in the House regained a bit of control after 2022. All that is to say, I I think that when it comes to when it comes to that, you do have to look at where the margins are probably going to make the biggest difference. And um, really what it comes down to is, I think, if Trump can, can, can replicate what he was able to do in the 2016 election, which was essentially activate voters who had been overlooked in the Rust Belt and in, in other states, in, in Wisconsin, um, for example, if, if that is enough to give him a margin, even if he's eaten away more than another candidate would be in, say, the Virginia, you know, D.C. suburbs or, I don't know, um, in other, other bluer areas, that would be the, um, I guess, the pitch in terms of why he is the contender in the general election. I think that um, I think that the it's not as though the candidate is irrelevant, but I mean, for example, is it plausible to me that DeSantis would um, significantly outperform Trump in a state like Virginia? No. Um, is it plausible that a, a you know another Republican candidate might outperform Trump there? Possibly, but I just I'm not sure how much you could generalize that um, to the to the extent that it, it matters in like the overall set of swing states. You know, is it, would it play as well in in Nevada, for example, as opposed to Virginia, or then again, as opposed to the Rust Belt? What do you think is the realistic impact of all these cases against Donald Trump as it relates to whether his potential to win the primaries? And then, of course, win the election. What What is the real impact that you're seeing as to, I mean, there's a lot going on with him as it relates to some of these charges brought against him and the civil case. And I mean, it's a lot. What, what do you think is the real impact of that, if anything? I think the real impact for virtually all of these cases in terms of his ability to get on the ballot everywhere he needs to, to be able to run, it's probably going to be negligible with the possible exception of the trial beginning next year, the the federal case. And so, you know, what I've heard from uh, a variety of people and what I think is believable is if he can continually push back the trial there, then that pretty much neutralizes the threat. I think in terms of 
getting voters on board, certainly Republican voters have shown more and more um, enthusiasm for him. You have this rally around the flag phenomenon, I think. Um, and I, I can understand why people look at what has happened with Trump, all of these cases, including cases that just seem to be piled on each other, these attempts to take them off the ballot under, you know, 14th Amendment grounds, uh, according to a rationale that was, you know, actually even stripped away in the 19th century, if you dig into that. People look at that and they, they think that, you know, there's this unique standard being applied to him. They see and they, they buy into Trump saying, I am standing in the way. They, they don't want me. They want you. Um, so then the big question is, how many independents is he going to be able to capture? Maybe disaffected Democrats, but I think in particular independents who would not otherwise vote. Another massive factor is, and this depends significantly on how the next few months play out in the Middle East, is the United States going to be plunged into this uh, war with Iran, possibly even conflicts on additional fronts? Is, is Taiwan going to become an issue? And in particular, if we have this uh, jump off in the Middle East, how much is that going to discourage a lot of Democrats? Because, of course, um, this issue of Israel and Palestine, it's dividing the, I think, the base, the coalition, not so much the lawmakers with the exception of, like, the squad and a few other people, but the Democratic base, especially in the young end, I suspect could be significantly alienated if they feel that Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, people who are pretty unabashedly um, pro-Israel um, in, in every circumstance, that those are the people speaking for them rather than, um, uh, I don't know, I guess, <laughs> Ian Omar is not necessarily like the, the best example, but my point is that I think it's going to matter to see who is more discouraged, who is who is more active, and the, the legal situation I don't think is going to matter that much, in particular if um, the president is able to arrange these cases such that it it can be something that is no longer an issue after uh, November 2024. We'll we'll be watching. Well, hopefully you'll be watching tonight. I don't know if I can tolerate watching that debate tonight. Nathan (laughs) Worcester, Epic Times. I appreciate so much your time today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. 848 on this Wednesday. You're listening to News Radio WRVA. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.